0: Our Bible reading today is from the book of Galatians, chapter two, from verse 11 to 21. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of all of them, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that our Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am the lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Good morning, church. It's been a bit of a struggle health-wise over the past three weeks for me to get here and I would just like to thank every single person who prayed for me because it made a huge difference. Mothering Sunday, a good day for a mother to preach. The Bible says a godly mother is a blessing so we give thanks for all mothers here today for their patience and guidance and their love. And for those whose parents are no longer with us, may the God of all comfort take their place in bringing solace, reassurance and strength. Matthew Henry, an incredibly gifted Bible scholar from the 17th century, wrote a commentary on the entire Bible, stated, Nothing more hinders the progress of the gospel than differences of opinion about doctrines of it. And this passage in the second book of Galatians is all about a major doctrinal shift which had the potential to split apart the early Christian church. Namely, should the Gentiles be made to follow Jewish law as well as Christ's teachings? We heard in last week's preaching from Mary that the Apostle Paul had gone up to Jerusalem to visit James, the leader of the Christian church and the other apostles there, in response to a revelation he had received from God, taking with him Barnabas a Jew and Titus a Gentile, probably deliberately as an example of the problem set before them during that visit, Paul exercised great caution, grace and humility in revealing what he saw as the truth to the leaders and pillars of the church which he did so in private. He chose not to make it a public declaration. No doubt he was well aware of the potential for divisions in the early Christian church and it set me thinking. How many of us Could resist the temptation of telling all and sundry we had received a revelation from God. It's so easy to open your mouth before your brain is engaged. When we feel compelled to say something which will affect others, my dear old mum used to say, Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? To which I would add, how would Jesus say it? And a timely reminder from our brother Reverend Kelvin in his sermon a few weeks ago, does Jesus get the glory? There are times when it is vital to speak out, but there is a right way of doing things which builds up and does not tear down. And Paul's conduct is a good example for all ministers and leaders of the church today. And dare I say it? For the congregation as well. For Psalm 133 tells us where brothers dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands a blessing. And it is all too easy to cause upset, dissension, and factions by an ill-judged word. It doesn't mean we have to be clones of each other. It doesn't mean we have to agree with each other all the time, but it does mean we have to find a way of getting on that doesn't cause divisions. We are called to build one another up in the faith, to esteem each other's ministry before our own. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 says we should encourage one another to strengthen the weak brother, to prepare God's people for works of service until we all reach unity in the faith and understanding of the fullness of Christ. Why? Because then we will become an effective church a church where people recognised they are known and loved and needed, however different they might be. In John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says, All men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Another important reason for the honourable way we should be conducting ourselves is this. Most unbelievers don't have any contact with the Bible. Most have never even read it, and so they read us and our Christian behaviour. Neighbours watch us. Friends and relations watch us. People in the endless frustrating queues in the chemist watch us. We are the gospel on legs. Mahatma Gandhi said if Christians all behave like Jesus, he'd have joined their church immediately. So how we behave is just as important as what we say. Does that mean we never disagree? On the contrary, in these uncertain times, it is all the more important that we, the church, stand as beacons of truth. And that will involve discussion and the knowledge of what fundamental truths of the Bible are and sticking to them, whether that makes us popular with society or not we are called to speak out the truth which is only found in the gospel of Jesus Christ and then take it to all nations. And Paul is at great pains to point out in this passage in Galatians, it cannot be an adulterated gospel. Nothing is to be added and nothing taken away we cannot change the gospel to suit people's or government's opinions and personal choices. That will probably make us pretty unpopular with some sections of the social media. But who do we listen to and take our authority from? God or the world? We as Christians are not called to a nice, easy, compromised existence. We are called to fight, to stand up and be counted on the day battle commences. Like our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, we must face the enemy without fear, whether that comes in the form of wrong doctrine or laws which do not adhere to the truths of the gospel or even personal animosity. And we must meet both with the overarching cover of the love that stems from God. When misfortune engulfs us, we need to remain strong in our faith and remain remain constant in our belief in who our God is and his ability to carry us through the storms of disasters like our world is experiencing at this moment. Catechismic floods, raging fires, destructive winds, devastating pestilences and out of control pandemics, dying ecology and megalomaniacs who wage war on innocent people. If we, the church, don't stand up and remain steadfast in our faith in the one who is above all catastrophes, what do we have to offer the world that secular agencies don't already offer? Personally, I believe the world is being shaken by God. He is utilising everything in his power to wake people up to the salvation truths of Jesus Christ before it's too late. But that's just my opinion, and you are welcome to disagree with me. As Paul disagreed with Peter, such a short while after his harmonious visit to Jerusalem, We are shown in the second half of Galatians chapter 2, Paul vociferously confronts Peter when he visited him at Antioch. All harmony gone. Because Peter had made a fatal mistake in compromising his faith to please men. Even after he had received a vision from God himself in Acts chapter 10 verse 15, expressly showing that Gentiles were no longer to be considered unclean, Peter allowed some troublemakers called the Circumcision Group from James's church to destroy his confidence in his Messiah and split the apostles apart. It's something we all need to look out for because the devil always works in division. Sometimes it is not just doctrine which needs addressing. Sometimes it is our own behaviour, especially when times of change are coming to the church and people are proposing things which we personally find upsetting. It was brave of Reverend Dozy to challenge us as a church over our tithing a few weeks back. It took me a few days of soul-searching to ensure I had the right approach to giving up 10% of my income, which is the biblical amount set in the Old Testament. Then the penny dropped. If I truly believe that everything I receive here on earth is from God, then he's actually graciously allowing me to keep nine-tenths of my bank income and his bounty. Suddenly, giving away 10% doesn't seem so much, does it? Sometimes it's right to speak out to our brothers and sisters in the church, especially if we do know that there is sin involved We all need to be humble enough to take correction with an attitude of gratitude. So I thank the sister in Christ who pointed out the other week that sometimes I speak first and think afterwards. And that I definitely air my opinions too much. no doubt for fear of giving offence to fellow believers, Peter decided to compromise. And that phrase has been the downfall of many a Christian through the ages and has contributed to the gradual erosion of all that is sacred to God in our own nation. For we are guilty in the United Kingdom Of passing laws and allowing practices that are a stench in God's nostrils for fear of offending others. We have stood by and let them happen. Church, we need to make a stand for what we believe God has decreed. We cannot be fence sitters even if it upsets people, even if we are ostracised. Because the consequence of teaching wrong doctrine is that people end up in hell and not in heaven. It is time the church found its voice to once again speak out the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the clarity and conviction of our predecessors through the ages, like Martin Luther, George Whitfield, John Wesley, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and Billy Graham. Even I'm old enough to to remember Billy Graham. They were not popular in their times. They were ridiculed and made fun of. But they were not afraid to plunder hell's gates, and neither must we be. But for Paul's bravery in speaking out, there would have been a major schism in the early Christian church. As far as Paul understood the gospel of Jesus, there were to be no barriers between Jewish and Gentile Christians. As it states in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, for we were all baptised into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink, the Holy Spirit sent from Jesus Christ. Paul was insistent that justification for any act that violates God's nature and his eternal law is only achieved by faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement for sin, not by works of the law or ceremonial sacrifices or purifications. And he powerfully pointed out if salvation could be achieved by just observing the law, then why did Christ have to die? Paul himself, though once so zealous for the Christian Jewish religion, (coughs) excuse me, the Jewish religion, had put aside observing the law that he might live for God, who in his incomparable grace has provided the means of salvation in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. There is nothing else that redeems us from wrongdoing and gives us the right to be called sons of God. In Psalm 143 verse two, David knew that he had no righteousness of his own by which he could stand before God He was trusting in the Lord, not the law, for righteousness and acceptance. And so must we. This chapter teaches us that weakness and inconsistency can be found in the best of mankind. So no one is infallible and how easily a wrong doctrine can lead brothers astray. I was so reassured when I was led back to St. Paul's to find such an emphasis on Bible study, both personal and in groups. It is vital in these times to know and understand what scripture says. And if you're not sure what a passage is trying to convey, then I always seek the wisdom of the one who wrote it, the Holy Spirit. Or I ask those who have the authority of a recognized ministry of teaching and preaching in the church. Even I will ask the minister (laughs) or other trusted friends in fellowship groups. For we are all called to keep ourselves accountable before God and before our leaders of this church. And God has promised in James chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. As Paul encourages us in the last versions of Galatians, let us not set aside the grace of God, but live by faith in the Son of God, Who loved me and gave himself for me? What greater gift could we receive on Mothering Sunday than the knowledge that Christ loves us and gave himself for us? And how else can we respond but in gratitude? and praise. So as we prepare to worship him now with our lovely worship group, let us lift up the one who is worthy of all our thanks and praise. Jesus Christ. Amen.